You're listening to the Bleacher Connection, a part of the Belly Up Sports Network. Here are your hosts, Ken and Trevor. And welcome to the show, everyone. We've got another exciting one planned for you. There's been some big news this week. Before we get into that, Trevor, how are you doing this this day? And I'm doing quite well this morning. Uh, got my son's birthday party to uh, attend to this afternoon. I know both my kiddos are uh, jacked for that, so it should be a lot of fun. Uh, I may just sit in the corner and watch them play at the play center <laughs> today. <laughs> I know in my... Uh, my younger days, when my kids were uh, also a little bit younger, I may have partaken and got stuck, uh, you know, in a couple of play structures myself. Uh, I'm, I'm You're not going to risk that. it today? What's that? You're not going to risk it today? No, I think I'm beyond that. And I, I may just hang out uh, in the corner at the table today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Make sure, you know, just maybe there's other people around less creepy that way. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I'm a... A little frustrated with the uh, the weather up, uh, you know, in our area right now. It's like one day it's a nice balmy spring day, and the next day there's a ton of snow on the ground, and then we get a oh, couple of balmy spring days, and then some freezing rain, and it, you know, just just a little bit uh, a little bit wonky. I was uh, setting up a new basketball hoop for the kiddos yesterday, and started out nice, and by the end it was a bit of a snow shower. <laughs> freezing cold it's like holy what's going on here yeah we we didn't have that here we had uh at least the sun but man it was it was windy and the clouds were rolling in but thankfully the wind took them right out so like, we've got a nice sunny day here today but yeah it's uh it's been one of those times i've had the heat going and then i set, set it up to be heat and cool so the ac actually kicking in to cool it down because it's getting too warm then it got too cold so i turned that off today i turned turned it back on and yeah, yeah, but see, you consider 10 degrees too hot in your house. <laughs> I'm surprised you don't have the, the AC going in the middle of the dead of winter. No, I was open up all the windows and let it naturally cool that way. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you leave one window slightly open that looks closed and, you know. You yeah, you know what, I, let, I got to jump off on this kind of a funny story, you know, uh, I like to head up and, and visit Ken and his wife uh, for weekends in Edmonton, and I can only handle about a couple days because, well, it is Edmonton. And, and, you know, I keep telling the guy, you know, it's really, really, really cold in that room, just so you know. And he's like, oh, it's fine. It's fine. And I'm like, dude, like, I have, like, snotsicles <laughs> by the end of the night when I when I hang out in the uh, guest bedroom. And he's like, I, a guy, I don't get it. it it's not it's not bad. It's not bad. Like we, we turn the heat up and I'm like, you have no idea. Well, finally about, you know, I, I bitch him to plane enough times. And you know, I think it might've been your mom spent a night in there. And she said the same thing. It's like, it's really, really cold in that room. So, well, Ken actually just says, well, maybe I should actually investigate this and no. uh, realizes, Oh shit. <laughs> the, the, the window in the room has been cracked open for months. No wonder it's cold in there. Well, actually, it, it wasn't my mom. It was actually me. When, oh, uh, oh. <laughs> when, the, when the wife had surgery on her knee and I, I stayed in the other bedroom so that I didn't end up knocking her knee or anything like that and keeping the, the, the cat and dog out of there as well. Um, it got really cold. And yeah, you in, think? It was in March as well. And I'm like, what is going on? And when I looked at it, yeah, the window wasn't sitting flush down. It looked 
absolutely closed, but it wasn't quite fully down. So yeah, I, I did fix that. And uh, oh, shit, I guess he was right. <laughs> Go ahead. We got this recorded, right? Ken just said I was right. Well, I mean, it's still like 10 to 2 for me being right. So I'll, I'll give you that one. I'll let you catch up a little bit. Uh, yeah. So well, I'm looking forward to the next time I get to stay in that room. I might actually... Uh... <laughs> It might be toasty warm. It, it might be a little bit warmer, yes. Yeah, I might not on... need 74 blankets and you wondering why I'm asking for so many blankets. Sleeping uh, in a hoodie and my hood up over my ears and socks and two pairs of pants. But no, I'm, I have no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, well, I mean, most of the time, that is true. But uh, yeah, yeah so well, lots, going on, lots going on this weekend. For the, probably the first time in a long time, I ended up... Uh, watching wrestlemania well night one of wrestlemania so far but it's been quite some time i'd be a 41 year old man but i still you know I watch wrestling from time to time it was quite entertaining nice yeah i i i'm not a huge wrestling guy anymore obviously i used to be you know heading back to the heydays of the attitude era i loved my wrestling i i've tried to get back into it and i just can't i don't know what it is i I just have that, I don't have that connection with the characters and uh, the superstars, though I will admit when I saw on Twitter, you know, Austin coming out um, on the quad at WrestleMania, it kind of sent some, uh, you know, shivers down my spine. It's like, oh yeah, the good old days. Oh, I miss that stuff. He, and he actually wrestled like for the first time in 19 years, he wrestled a match and it was, he started in Dallas, Texas and he, now officially ended it in Dallas, Texas. It, the pop when he came out was 10 times louder than it had ever been. And it's not just because there was almost 78,000 people there. Just everyone loves Austin. That place blew up. It, yeah, as you say, there was some there's some chills when Austin came out and and uh and, and accepted that that match. So it was good. It was an, it was entertaining. Well, his entrance music is, is iconic. Like you hear that glass shattering sound and it's just like, everybody knows what that is. And it's just so awesome. And it never really changed. As soon as he became, you know, stone cold, Steve Austin, that was the music. Like even the rock changed his up a little bit. Triple H had different variations sort of time. Edge has had different edge. Austin always stayed the same. And it was, it's so iconic. Oh, Some of the entrance music that was used in the Attitude Era, D-Generation X, you're never, ever going to forget that. Triple H, for sure. Yeah. Very iconic. The Rock, Undertaker, and Kane. Like, just, I feel like that might be one of the reasons why I don't relate to the, the WWE near as much as you just don't have, in my opinion, the, the iconic entrance music the iconic wrestlers that you do that you did back in the day and i know they they bring them back every once in a while brett the hitman Hart, you know local guy you just i feel like they don't have the talent propping it up near as much as they used to and it's hard for me to get in and i try to watch monday night raw and for some reason it, it, i just can't do it i really can't and i kind of want to because I enjoyed it. I enjoyed wrestling a ton. Oh yeah. In in before and my son enjoys it too, but again, he can't get into it and it's I remember watching wrestling with my dad and 
the every Monday, every Monday, it was like, gotta, gotta watch it, gotta watch it, gotta watch it. And I'd love to have that with my son. Now it's Survivor. Every Wednesday, it's like, gotta watch Survivor, gotta watch yeah. Survivor. It's just not the same. No, I my dad hated like hated it back in the day, but he took me, he took me way back in the day when it was Hogan and Macho Man and nice. Brent, you know all those guys and we went one year because i wanted to go see hulk hogan so he, he took me to go watch in vancouver he took me to the coliseum to go watch the wrestling and hogan didn't wrestle he wasn't there because he was hurt or something so next time they came around my dad had to take me again and that's what it was like I, I think you talk about the there's some good characters some guys that can really work the mic get the crowd going like randy orton's still one of them yeah absolutely um, Roman Reigns does a pretty good job. Brock Lesnar, I really like what they're doing with his character arc right now because previously he never spoke. He didn't engage with anyone. He just came out, beat the shit out of someone and left. <laughs> Wouldn't wrestle Monday Night Raw. Like you'd see him at pay-per-views. He's on every week. He's on the mic. He's got a personality. He gets the crowd going. He takes selfie, gets in the crowd after a match and he's in there taking selfies with him. He's nice. actually being personable. He's showing his personality now. And I think it's good. But the thing is, like, you look at, there's a handful of guys now that can work the mic. Back in the Attitude Era, they all they all could work the mic. And that was huge. Those guys, like, yeah, you would only have, what, five, six matches in, you know, a few hours. But the entertainment you got from The Rock, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, all those guys going out there, getting on the mic and just, they made you laugh. Yeah, you, they got into the stories a little bit more. Well, they, Mick Foley was one of the best ever at making you laugh. Captain yeah, Jack, dude, love mankind. Like that guy was a genius. Yeah, and you you're missing some of that. And like you talk about the entrance music, I'm not gonna lie. I was driving home the other day after work, and um, Shawn Michaels' theme song came out, and I got it cranked in the car. And I don't, I don't <laughs> care. I'm listening to it. I got Triple H's on there. I got DX. Like that's the stuff that makes wrestling fun sometimes. And and yeah. It, it's lacking a little bit. It is. I hope they get it back. I really do. It's there's a it's great entertainment. It really is because it is athletes absolutely putting their bodies on the line for you. And you you kind of have that appreciation for what they're willing to do to put on a good show. And I have a ton of respect for a lot of those guys because let's be honest, these guys live a hard life and they really do. Uh, faced real, real, real world struggles when they do retire because of it. So I have the utmost respect for these guys willing to put their, their whole bodies and their post wrestling careers, like kind of in jeopardy because of it. So, yeah. And like you think about how much travel you talk about Monday night raw yeah, SmackDown, and pay-per-views that's three big things, you know, two of them that go weekly, a pay-per-view a month, but they're wrestling almost every day in between. They're wrestling here one night. They're in another spot the next night. They, I can't remember if they, the amount of travel they do. I, this is way back to that. I heard, think the stat was, it was like six months of the year. They're traveling. Yeah, they spend and, over 330 days on the road every year. It's very tough for, for the family men, especially. Yeah. And some get paid. Some get paid really well. But there's two things that you, you talk about the chills. Taker got put into the Hall of Fame last night. Now nice. you want to talk about chills. I saw some of the videos on Twitter and during the night one, 
man, that that was chills. Undertaker, it was weird because Vince McMahon introduced him as Mark Calloway, the Undertaker. And we're like, well, that's a first. I've never actually heard him refer to him by his real name. And then he came out and he spoke, but it was Mark Calloway speaking, not the Undertaker. And you're like, at first I wasn't listening. Who the hell is that? Oh, yeah, that's the Undertaker talking right now. And, and that that was chilling because the, the respect that guy had in, in wrestling. And then Shad Gaspard won the Warrior Award. And he passed away in 2020 or 2021, I believe it was, saving his son. He and his son were out swimming in the ocean at a beach and got caught up in the undertow. And the lifeguards came out and they could only take one. And he, he, he said, take my son. And he unfortunately passed and they couldn't find him. And his wife and his son accepted the award on that. That there was just absolute chills. Like just very touching that, that moment there. Yeah, that's difficult. A lot of respect, difficult, uh, difficult circumstances. And you'd like to see recognition given for that kind of stuff. That's awesome. Absolutely. Well, Ken, we had a little bit of uh, impromptu wrestling chat there that we weren't <laughs> fully expecting to. But uh, hey, I, I, I have time for wrestling. I'm, I'm kind of glad we did that for five minutes. On today's show, it's kind of a mixed bag. We're, we're kind of going to go a little all over the place. There's been a bunch of little stories pop up, you know, in the past week in the world of sports that we really want to touch on. You know, we got Keith Yandel. We got uh, Trevor Zegers, Troy Terry, Jay Beagle, that that could be an interesting chat, but as always, we got to start with some, are you kidding me? Ken, do you want to start us off? Yeah. Well, this week, are you kidding me? Is brought to you by belly up sponsors, Manscaped. If you want to save 20% on Manscaped products, make sure you go to manscaped.com. Use the code belly up fantasy at checkout for 20% off your purchase. Yeah, I'm looking at a little bit of that stubble on your chin right now, and you might want to sign up. Uh, that's not quite the area oh, for the manscaped. Oh, yeah. okay, I got you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Dual little... purpose, Ken. Dual <laughs> purpose. Hey, man, this took me 41 years to uh, to grow piss off. <laughs> well, I'm going to kick it off. I'm going to kick off uh, my first. Are you kidding me? This week, I got to go to the world of the NBA, and. There was an incident, and I put incident in air quotes, regarding Austin Rivers and Lance Stevenson this week, where Austin Rivers got ejected from a game for an elbow or potentially trying to throw an elbow on Lance Stevenson, which led to his second technical foul of the game, got ejected. I'm sure a ton of our listeners have seen the video. It wasn't even close to contacting Lance Stevenson. And what, what was even crazier is Lance Stevenson, like normally you get the like wicked head jerk back. He kind of gave like a, a half-assed attempt and like, oh, maybe I could try to sell this. Like it like, wasn't even close. Yeah. And after the game, Rivers pretty much comes out and, and says, I have never been rejected for something like that's so embarrassing. For the NBA, Kevin Durant comes out on Twitter and pretty much says, "What a black eye! What a what an embarrassment!" What I couldn't believe is Tony Brothers, the referee in the game, he deemed it to be a malicious act, thus warranting a technical foul. <laughs> what? Like he didn't even come close. 
Like, if you haven't uh, seen it, have a look at Austin Rivers, Lance Stevenson. What am I watching? Soccer? Oh, it it was very much in line with that. It was so bad. Awful, awful. NBA, you got to be better with the referees. Do we not have video replay? Like, you can video replay, it seems like every foul call there is in the NBA, but you can't on that. Like, what's going on here? I think in a case like that, absolutely. If you, first off, if that was malicious, well, that Stevenson would still be knocked out right now. But he barely saw. He didn't even extend the elbow. He had his hands out as he normally would, and he turned. There was no extension. It wasn't like he tried and missed. It was just a really shitty call. And absolutely, if you're going to kick a guy out, if you're going to give a guy a technical, anything like that, go check it out. We we saw it in. The, the game against oh, Costa Rica for Canada's World Cup. Mark Anthony Kay got a yellow card for a late challenge, and they went to VAR to see if it was a red. They were going to review it, and if it was deemed a red card, he would have gotten a red instead of a yellow. Stayed a yellow. Absolutely, they should be replaying this, but it's just so bad. Such a bad look for that. Like, you know, NHL fans complain about refs. This is 100 times worse. Yeah, the NBA is a league widely known for the superstars getting the call. And, and you know what? I don't actually have an issue with it. We, we, we watch sports to see the best players thrive. And the NBA almost has a different set of rules for these stars, which allows them to thrive. You know, maybe other leagues should look at this, looking at UNHL. Maybe we should uh, call a few more penalties on the superstars and cut down on the infractions. But Oh, you mean like McDavid jumping on another player's back and tackling them to the ground? Uh, yeah, and it not being called? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Possibly. The NBA, the NHL, it, I'm just going to kind of say it. The quality of the officiating in a lot of leagues has really, really deteriorated. I'm not one to bitch and complain about referees, but I do think there is an actual sy- systemic problem here where there's not enough training being given to officials in the leagues and you end up with situations like this. You end up with, you know, in the National Hockey League, there's a ton of criticism against the officials right now. And I think some of it's warranted. The National Football League, holy, it was like, like they've, they've almost gone too far with a, let's call every little bit a weak, you know, weak piece of, like you can't even touch a quarterback without getting a 15 yard penalty anymore. Yeah, you run within three feet of a quarterback after he tosses it. That's a penalty. Like Lance Stevenson, if he played in the National Football League, he'd get fined. He, he, sorry, he wouldn't get fined. He'd have 15 yard penalties for blowing in the ear of Tom Brady. Like, the, the, there is a bit of a problem here, and I don't know how they correct it. At least all I'm going to say about officiating is it is bad for everybody. And I know yeah. in the world of Twitter, everywhere, everybody bitches and complains about, oh, the refs cost us two points. Well, let, no, let's get away from that argument because it's just generally bad for everybody. And I don't know how they correct it. I think originally they brought in video replay, in my opinion, to try and solve some of the issues. And I actually think it's made it worse because it's led to officials kind of being afraid to make a call going, eh, replay's going to catch it anyway. So I don't know what the problem is here or the the answer is here, but I definitely know what the problem is. 
Yeah, like you talked about, oh, the refs cost us two points. Well, they probably gave you two points somewhere down the road. I, exactly. Well. So it's bad for everyone. So it's frustrating, but there's almost no point in complaining about it so hard because it's for it's everyone is dealing with it. It's not a singular problem or a problem for just one team, one player. But speaking on referees and, and plays that deserve penalties, are you kidding me? Taylor Hall sucker punches a guy after getting hit kind of from behind. He's pissed off. Retaliatory play sucker punches another player in the side of the head. The Maple, Toronto Maple Leaf almost kind of, you know, sends him into the quiet room for 15 minutes. I'm not sure. Did he come up with a concussion on that play? I don't know. Hit? I questioned you calling it a sucker punch. I guess we're going to have a debate on this. Well, it was from behind and he grabbed him. It was almost it was like, Todd Bertuzzi light because it was like <laughs> okay. Well, he he was no, behind him. On. Yeah. On. He's behind him. He threw the punch from behind, and he got five thousand dollar fine. We saw earlier in the season Dylan Larkin get hit from behind, get up, and you know give a guy a shot as he skates by, and he got a game for that. I feel Taylor Hall should have gotten more for that. And I mean, it's almost getting old to say, are you kidding me to the Department of Player Safety in the NHL? I'm going to disagree with you. I didn't find it. Sure. Yeah, he hit him. He hit him. To call that a malicious sucker punch, I don't know. It was more of a hard love tap, if you ask me. I under I don't like the circumstances around it. Uh, you you can't be just getting up and punching someone because you're pissed off. I I will agree with you on that sentiment, but it wasn't a, a hard punch. I, I've seen I've seen harder punches thrown in in scrums after every whistle in the NHL. It's not even remotely comparable to the Dylan Larkin situation because Dylan Larkin got up and drilled a guy. He drilled him in the face this was a mild overextension of his arm in a slightly aggressive fashion might be the best way to describe the taylor hall incident well just because five thousand dollar fine i'm okay with i don't i didn't think he should have been suspended a penalty it was a vicious dirty play that resulted in the reason why he had to he got drilled from behind oh i'm not saying that should have been let go either right like yeah and that was also let go so was it a fine? Yes. Do I think player safety was uh, off base on this one? Not at all. I think they actually got this one right. I, I think, see, just because Taylor Hall can't punch as hard as Dylan Larkin doesn't, I don't think should mean that it's just a fine. Like He didn't, if he spun him around, if he squared up to him, got in front of him and tried to fight him, punch him, whatever, fine. But he's behind him to the side and throws that to like, he didn't see it coming. And that's my issue with it. And I think if you throw a punch like that to a player, like take a look at, um, oh, now I'm drawing a blank of who did it. Someone punched uh, Crystal Tang in the back of the head, skating behind him. And there was nothing on that either. And that one was worse than this one. And and Latang has a well-known concussion history. But again, you get these types of plays where guys aren't, I hate to say it this way, being a man and going face-to-face with a guy, but they're throwing these punches from behind to the side where the other party can't really see him coming. And I have an issue, whether it was a hard punch or not, if you punch a guy from in an unsuspecting 
situation, you should get suspended for that, right? Like, it's not a clean step up. If you want to fight the guy, fight the guy. Grab him, spin him around, drop the gloves and go. Don't throw a weak or strong, doesn't matter, punch from the side behind. And then, you know, and I just think it, to me, it was an art, like the fine and the punch. Are you kidding me? Come on. Absolutely. I, I will agree with you on that. It was completely uncalled for, but the fan reaction to him not being suspended, I also think was completely uncalled for. To well, me, it's also coming he, out of Leaf Nation as well. So it's yeah, am- but amplified. It, you're Canuck Nation and you're saying he should have been suspended. So it's, it's not just out of Leaf Nation. I, well, I'm not I calling know. for I, I 40 think, games. I think it should have got a game. Yeah, it, had he got a game, I wouldn't have been pissed off. But I actually think they kind of got her. It wasn't a it wasn't a vicious act, and, and in NHL standards, it, it wasn't violent. In in my opinion, suspension worthy, which said something about the NHL because it's like, wow, you didn't hurt the guy, so I guess you don't get suspended. Like that's kind of how the NHL operates, and maybe we're just so accustomed to the Mickey Mouse way that the Department of Player Safety operates that I'm not surprised. Uh, Maybe it's more that I'm not surprised you didn't get suspended because I didn't find it that vicious. Yeah, like I've always said player safety is a joke and it should be a third party that does it. But yeah, to me, it was worth a game. But the whole situation, if there was a penalty call and something done, play stopped after Hall got hit from behind, maybe it doesn't happen. But again... Crappy refereeing allows these plays to go on, and this is where we end up. We're going to end up talking about something similar to this here very shortly when we when we talk about kind of the Jay Beagle, Troy Terry incident. But there's one more thing I want to talk about before we get into some of these other topics. And news came out this week out of the New York Rangers and Chris Drury that he has banned not just Alexis alexis lafreniere but his entire team for those that do speak french from giving interviews in french and i find this kind of bizarre because alexis lafreniere is from quebec he speaks french he has a relatively large fan base in french or in in quebec who speak french and you're not going to allow him to speak french are you kidding me this is a chance for you to gain fans in a different province, a different country altogether, who are Alexis Lafreniere fans, and you're going to stymie that? I'm, I'm at a loss here, Chris Drury. What's the issue? He's talking to a reporter based in Montreal. Of course they want to speak French. And it it's wasn't a just French network. And it was set up as like a one-on-one interview, not yeah. just, it wasn't a scrum. It wasn't like a post-game press conference. It was set up. I'm, I'm at a loss for words on this one. It, it kind of, it seems bass backwards to try to grow the game. You're, you're trying to let your athletes have personality and, in, and you're kind of shunning him for the language that he speaks. I'm, befuddled on this one i don't get it well is it are we sure it's not just like french is it i thought it was all other languages as well it, like it very well only. could be it doesn't matter yeah like, like he wants it, the, the interviews in english only so that he knows what's being said 
So you don't trust your players to give an interview. You have to monitor what they're saying. Very, very odd situation. And you couldn't just have somebody translate it for you after the fact? Yeah. And still know what he said. Seems like a weak cop out to me. I'm, I do not get that one. I, I think it's a bad look for Chris Drury and the Rangers. Yeah. It's very, very odd. Well, Ken, let's move on to some exciting stuff that's actually happened with our show in the last week. And the Bleacher Connection has been part of the belly up bracket madness that's going on on Belly Up Media, on Twitter, Instagram. And we have made it to the championship finals. We are in the championship. We are in the championship. And as you listen to this, voting is open. Voting is open on Twitter, on Instagram. Please hit up the Belly Up Media account on Instagram, in the Instagram stories, and on Twitter. Give us a vote. Reach out. We'd love it. We want to be the champions. This Absolutely. is exciting for us. You we, will we, see us promoting ahead, this. You'll be seeing us promote this a lot, as we have been, and have others for us. And I think, you know, for for us, we really want to thank everyone who has voted us through and gotten us to the, to the finals, because this is like a, a fan vote to get there. You have to go through, you know, we were up against uh sideline summit in the first round F and sports in the, in the second round pesky report in the semifinals. And that was a, that was, that was a Jays versus a Red Sox, you know, fandom right there. So uh, the, the Jays took the first one against the, the Red Sox. We can put that on there. And now we're up against two drunk brothers in the final. So as this comes out, as Trevor said, um, just so that everyone, if it is after Monday, April 4th, at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, the voting opens, runs for 24 hours. Please, please, please. We really appreciate it. I, I, I don't was say to Trevor, you know, you and I are talking. I'm stoked for this. Like, I'm so excited. I got chills again just right now. We're in the <laughs> championships, man. It's fun. It, it's Absolutely. fun. It's a, it's a chance to promote not only us, it's a chance to promote the people we're going up against. Pesky report. That's awesome stuff. It, it, it it's exposure for everybody and it's a lot of fun and throwing the promotions out, throwing the, you know, Hey, I, I'm looking at Boston Bruins nation because I can't rely on Leafs nation to get me through a playoff round. It has just been fun. I've had a blast with it on Twitter, on Instagram. I know both our, our families are behind us and pushing it big time for us. And it's yeah. just exciting and it's a, a good time. And we're promoting a great, podcast network that's what's Absolutely. the most fun about it the belly up podcast network is awesome and give it a, a you know give it a shot there is so many great podcasts on this platform that need to be listened to and it's our honor to promote these guys in the entire network it's 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 great i'm super excited super jack stoked as ken would like to say yeah and absolutely and as Thank everyone who has supported us and voted, but also thank everyone who put this on. Yes. You know, there was, there was 32 podcasts in the beginning and I, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm stoked about it. Cause I didn't know that we'd be down to the final two. There's a lot of great podcasts as Trevor said on this network, very proud to be part of it. 
And to be in the finals, it's just icing on the cake. Absolutely. So again, thank you to the Belly Up Network, Belly Up Media for putting this on. And thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody who's voted, not just for us, but has voted for all the podcasts on the platform. Big thanks. Absolutely. Check them all out. They're great. Well, Ken, we had a kind of a unique situation in the NHL over the weekend. Keith Yandel, Ironman streak, most consecutive games played in the NHL. 989 consecutive games played with multiple franchises, like I said, Florida, Philadelphia, uh, Arizona. Arizona. If I missed anyone else, I'm sorry. Well, Rangers. the Rangers, absolutely. Well, this streak came to an end on the weekend. I'm not a fan of why it came to an end. Keith Yandel wasn't injured. Keith Yandel was healthy scratched in favor of an AHL youngster to play in one of their first NHL games. Um, okay. Why? Why are you scratching a guy who's 11 games away from a milestone, a thousand games? I'm sorry, a thousand games Ironman streak just sounds way cooler than 989 games. The Philadelphia Flyers, I think, should own this one. It's a black eye. Why can you not let him play 11 more games or finish the effing season? Who cares? You're out of it. Who cares if he's taking the spot of some AHLer who's probably never going to see the light of day in the NHL? Who cares? Let him finish on his terms, not yours. He deserves respect. Whether or not he should be in the everyday lineup at this point to me is inconsequential. It's irrelevant. Yeah, absolutely. It's irrelevant. Let him finish his illustrious career on his terms, not yours. This is such a bad look for the Philadelphia Flyers, in my opinion. Ken, I don't know how you feel about this, but I think it's an absolute joke. That you uh, didn't let him get to a thousand games. Absolutely. Keith Yandel is on a $900,000 contract for this season. He's a UFA at the end of it. You let him play out the rest of the season. You don't be an asshat and scratch him. You're four points out of last in the East. You're not going to make the playoffs. I could maybe take a different stance on this because. Keith Yandel's season hasn't been great. Fair enough. That's an honest assessment. But the man has almost played, as you said, almost a thousand games straight. And who cares? Sit Cam York. Sit Travis Sanheim. Rasmus Ristolainen. I'm sure those guys would take a seat so Yandel can keep playing. Because it's an absolute joke that just because you want to give a young guy... What are you doing, Yao? Like, your team is not good. This is just such a black guy. And you want to talk about doing things, and I, oh, mark this day down, Trevor. You want to talk about doing it right? Phil Arizona Kessel is at 968 games straight. He's second to Keith Yandel. He's now the league's Iron Man. He and his wife were expecting a child. The Arizona Coyotes were on the road. The owner 
set up a private jet waiting for him at the airport. Uh, Phil Kessel went out, took the opening face off. He took a shift. That's a game played. The Arizona Coyotes were willing to play a man down for an entire game so that Phil Kessel could go be with his wife and new child when they were born. That is how you do it. I can't believe I'm giving the Coyotes credit for something good, but I am because it is. The Philadelphia Flyers, you're a joke on this. This is absolutely the wrong way to have handled it. And I'm honestly, I'm not a, I'm not a Keith Yandel fan. I'm not like he's, I have nothing against him. We'll put it that way. I'm indifferent, but this is such an achievement. Most players don't play 989 games in their career, let alone straight. You guys screwed the pooch on this so badly and you deserve <laughs> nice. all the hate and vitriol you get from fans across the league. Your own players are speaking out about it. One uh, of Kevin your Hayes. franchise superstars of past, Jeremy Roenick, came out against the franchise and pretty much called it an embarrassment. Like, yeah. what are you doing? What are you doing? Some Kevin things Hayes are bigger out. than letting an AHL kid play 10 games at the end of the season. This yeah. is bigger than that. This is a guy's essentially career achievement. It's the pinnacle. It's what he will always be known for. And you couldn't let him play roughly 13 more games at the end of what is likely his last season in the NHL. Here's what's worse. What if he gets back into the lineup for a few games later on? How bad is that going to look on the Philadelphia Flyers if he gets back into the lineup? Like, ah, this is frustrating. Like, it's a thousand effing games he was trying to get in a row. And now Phil Kessel is going to get that achievement. And nobody's even going to remember Keith Yandel because yeah. of it. It would be so much cooler to say, hey, we had two guys get to a thousand game Ironman streak. But no, heaven forbid the effing Philadelphia Flyers get that memo, you idiots. Yeah, it's... uh it's so bad. It's just, I hope you say, you know, if they put him back in, I hope he says, ah, you know what guys, I kind of tweaked my growing on the bike the other day. <laughs> I can't play. I can't play. I'm sorry. Oh, like, I hope he just sits back, gives him a big old middle finger and says, figure it out. Yeah. I'm done. Yeah. Like let them play it out. As I said, they're four points out of last in the East. Let them play it out. And then if he wants to sign with someone next year, let him. He'll probably sign for 750, keep playing until he does get hurt, and then then retire. But you took it away from him. You didn't let him do it on his own terms. Exactly. And, and that's such such a bad look. It's so disrespectful to a player who's had, a, let's see, what, 15-year NHL career. You didn't let him do it on his terms. So disrespectful. Ken, let's move on to our next topic. I think we could bash the Philadelphia Flyers for another half an hour on this. We don't have time to do that. <laughs> but it's fun. It is fun. It is. It works. I want to move on to another incident. And this one actually does involve the Arizona Coyotes and kind of a member of their, their broadcast team and an incident that happened on the ice. Late in a 5 nothing game, there was a scrum in front of the net where I believe Troy Terry or, or 
Trevor Zegers kind of poked at a puck that the goalie had, had grabbed. And Jay Beagle went, let's be, let's be straight up honest. Jay Beagle went ape shit. And he absolutely pounded the tar out of Troy Terry, who leading scorer of the Anaheim Ducks, you know, 30 goal man, uh, emerging superstar in the league. Jay Beagle essentially pulled him out of the scrum and fed him his lunch big time, big time. Like there's pictures on Twitter of Troy Terry with like, the entire, his right eye is like bruised and red and, and bloody. It's, it's, it's disgusting. This was as a result of earlier in the game, Trevor Zegers pulling off another Michigan goal. It was awesome. It was phenomenal. What really got me was the way the commentator, and I can't remember whose name it was now. Can Tyson you name Nash. It? Tyson Nash, thank you. Pretty much said, good on Jay Beagle. These guys deserve to get their face punched in for showing, showing up a team with all of this skill. What? Since when do players get their face punched in for displaying skill on the ice and scoring a goal? I'm sorry, as a fan of the game, I love watching beautiful goals, unless it's Connor McDavid, then it just makes me want to vomit. I love watching beautiful goals scored. These guys deserve to get punched in the face. What an archaic take. Well, Tyson probably, Nash, you're a dinosaur. You you don't you shouldn't be calling games. That's a ridiculous take. Well, it's not the first time he said stupid things like that, and it, it probably comes out of jealousy because he didn't have that skill. So yeah, it was yeah, no it, kidding. It was a five nothing game, and Trevor Zegers did poke out a puck that the goalie had covered, but it was it was out. The puck was loose, and it doesn't matter if the score is one nothing, five nothing, fifteen nothing. You're there to score goals. That's what you're there. That's what you're paid to do. So he, he went at it. And it did. It resulted because Beagle went after Zegers and Troy Terry stepped in. And, and Beagle is a lot bigger than Troy Terry. And maybe, and, and what also I think the problem with this is, is once they did go down to the ice, Beagle kept punching. He didn't stop. He didn't stop. And maybe, maybe he can't remember it because of what happened. But Jay Beagle, when he's watched the Capitol, fought Aaron Ashman, got his ass handed to him pre-handedly and knocked out on the ice. He's been on the other end of that. So why is he doing that to someone else right now? Absolutely just a horrible play. And, you know, Trevor Zegers at the end of it said that he should be punished for it. I won't use his exact quote that he said, but he said he should be effing punished for it. Because, you know, as he said, in Zegers' eyes, Troy Terry is a superstar in the league and needs to be protected and you shouldn't be doing that right like again those scrums happen but i, I like zegers didn't poke at a goalie who had the puck covered for five seconds it was still in play it was quick and beagle came in and gave him a cross check straight to the back a hard one and that's what set it off i'm not a fan of guys always skating by and poking a goalie after he's had the puck well covered and the whistle's gone that stuff needs to like that's how goalies get injured a lot, and I get why players get upset about it. But this was this was not one of those situations, and Beagle went way overboard on this. Oh, again, he would he would way, way overboard. won't face anything for it. 
And you were talking earlier about the Taylor Hall incident. This is a hundred times worse, in my opinion. And I don't even think he got fined for it. No, I don't think anything came out of it. Nothing came up. This is way worse. Like hockey play. A hockey play. Yeah. Well, that's how the league's going to look at it. I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying. I, I couldn't believe it. Like Troy Terry isn't even trying to fight back. Like Troy Terry is pretty much like shielding himself as best he can to try and limit the damage. He got beat on. It's ridiculous. How does, how is this allowed to happen? And Ken, I want to, I want to ask you a question about the state of the NHL. Should fighting be banned in the NHL? Because I'm slowly starting to think maybe it should be because of incidents like this, the game's no better for an incident like this. And why should the players have to police themselves? This is ridiculous. Don't, isn't there supposed to be a set of rules that do that? Yeah. Uh, I'm on the fence. Do I think fighting has a place in the game? Uh, not as much as it used to. Do I think it should be banned? No. And the reason I say is because you say, should the players police themselves? And out of necessity, I think they need to. Because you take a look at when they brought back the instigator penalty in the rule, right? What happened there? Guys were less willing to drop the gloves because they didn't want to get the instigator. If you got enough instigators, there was fine suspensions, whatever, that kind of stuff. And it kind of cooled down the fighting. But what did we see more of when that happened? There was more Matt Cooks. There was more Brian Marchments. There's more guys willing to take the dirty, cheap shot at a player to get him out of a game. And when you don't, when you don't have those guys there to protect the players, to police them, because Department of Player Safety, we know, isn't doing a job. But I was, I was just going to jump in on that. That's what the Department of Player Safety should be doing. Those guys should have been getting 10 to 20 game suspensions for those type of hits. It would go away real fast if these guys were getting 10, 20 game suspensions and losing 20% of their pay for a season. Whoa, miraculously, that would go away. If I could trust that Department of Player Safety would do that, when you get two identical situations in a season, one player gets a $5,000 fine, which is an absolute joke for what these, some of these guys make, you want to make it worthwhile. Like look at the NFL, the NBA, these guys are going to find a quarter million dollars, $50,000, $100,000. Like they're getting fine substantial money for what they're doing. That is against the rule book. The NHL five grand is nothing. Is there fighting in any of those leagues? No. So why does but, it have to be in the NHL? And I don't get me wrong. I enjoy a good fight. It's, it's great entertainment, but. I don't understand why it has to be in the game anymore. I really don't. None of the other major leagues do it. None of them do. Because they actually have rules and fines that deter it. But the league isn't enforcing their own rules and policies that create a need for it. Right? Like, that's what I'm saying is the cheap shots go up. Players get injured because of that. But the league isn't doing anything. So it still creates... A necessity. I don't think there needs to be fighting in hockey. I'd rather see skill over, you know, fight after fight after fight. 
but I also don't want to see the cheap players in the league exist because they can get away with it. There's no need for fighting or cheapness, but we still see, you talk about the hitting from behind. Oh, we got to protect the players, players. We still have guys drilling each other into the boards when they can clearly see the numbers. You still have chicken wing headshots to players skating across the ice. So until the league actually does something of significance to stop it, there is still a need for fighting so that those guys stop what they're doing. If they have to think, oh, we're playing the Rangers tonight. If I step out of line, Ryan Reeves is going to knock the shit out of me. Playing the uh, Capitals tonight. Well, I got to watch out for Tom Wilson. And if I do something out of line, he may beat the shit out of me. That's the problem. Like Tom Wilson borders both of those conversations. He has had some very not so questionable hits, but he also has is able to stand up for his teammates. I don't think it's necessary to have it per se, but until the league actually does something to stop it, it will still exist. Yeah. I, I put this more on the league to correct the problem. And uh, the fact that players have to police themselves on the ice is a direct indictment about the leadership within the, the national hockey league. You never hear NBA players having to police themselves, NFL players having to police themselves, Major League Baseball, definitely they don't police themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you the, the only policing you get there is a guy throws a 90 mile hour heater at a guy's back and everybody runs on and there's a couple of shoves, but yeah. it's like, there's no fighting in any of the other leagues. You look and at they how don't easy have these, these issues. Look at how easy it is to get kicked out of an NFL or NBA game. Yep. You can throw a maybe phantom that needs elbow. To be the case. Yeah. You can throw a phantom elbow when you're out of the game, right? Look at look at soccer. You have a wind breeze by you, you go down like you're shot because it's such a big field, lots of players. The ref doesn't see everything, right? It, it just the NHL, as you said earlier, has this archaic way of looking at things that creates these situations. Yeah, I would agree you, with you. If you don't have those players that are going to be willing to take a cheap shot, like does does Brad Marchand need to play on that line where you kind of go, yeah, he's a really good player, but he's also a, can be a dirty player, right? Like, why does he need to live on that line? Why can't he just be a good player? Yeah, right. Like that's what creates some of these things is that need to live on the edge, and for those that just tend to live on the other side of it, yeah. There just needs to be a little more respect between the players. And that's to me, that that's one of the biggest things. And there's just not, I want to exist. It doesn't, it really doesn't. I want to move on to the next topic. And this one kind of touches a little bit closer to home as a Calgary flames fan. It was announced on the weekend that Sean Monaghan will is out for the rest of the season with the Calgary flames. And now his other hip has a significant tear of the labrum. He's going to be, having another major surgery, both of his hips. Now he's had major surgeries on the last two years. He's had major surgeries on his wrists. It's a once dominant and high profile player in the NHL has really gone away. And it's as a fan, it's very sad. Like Sean Monan is still one of my favorite players on the Calgary flames, but watching what's happened to him in the last couple of seasons is, is tremendously difficult. Ken, I want to ask you a question. Has Sean Monahan, and it's kind of a two-parter, has Sean Monahan played his last game as a Calgary Flame? 
And has Sean Monaghan played his last game in the NHL? Uh, to answer both of those with one answer, very quite possible. Um, from being a Canucks fan and seeing Ryan Kessler, it is very difficult to come back from those hip surgeries. Like he's technically still under contract, still with Anaheim, not Vegas, um, <laughs> because he can't. He had to. He's essentially retired, but still getting paid right now because he had hip surgery really like he had one of his joints replaced with them like almost like a metal trailer hitch that's in there and he tried to come back after one and it didn't work and after the second one that was kind of it and that was i think i said that to you after with when that news came out that they it's very tough to come back from that you know and, and I, I i don't have anything against sean monahan I, I did say that his play has deteriorated and and it know, has the the Flames should move on. This was obviously before the, the second hip injury, but it's very possible. I think that he has played his last game for the Flames and maybe in the NHL. I got a question for you though. Okay. Where does, cause I was thinking about this because Brad tree living came out during that press conference and said that Sean Monaghan has dealt with a lot of, and I'll use the word he did bullshit from people criticizing him and he's a warrior and he plays through so many injuries. So where does some of the responsibility of this injury and such lie? Does it on the player for pushing through or is it the team for not saying you're hurt? You need to sit down. I think in this particular scenario, I don't think the flames were aware of the the issue with his the new issue with the hip and the reason i say that is we're two weeks removed from the trade deadline had the calgary flames known about this significant injury the calgary flames probably would have put sean monahan on the long-term injured reserve prior to the trade deadline to have cap space to then potentially replace sean monahan and go full vault vegas golden knight and uh, tampa uh, and tampa bay lightning the Calgary Flames probably would have done that because it would have made sense to do that. That leads me to believe the fact they didn't do it, that they didn't know. And Sean Monaghan wasn't up front with the team. And Sean Monaghan does play through injuries. And Brad True Living alluded to this in his press conference that Sean Monaghan hasn't always been forthright with the extent of his injuries. And I, I'll give Monaghan credit for trying to play through it but I have to give him a little bit of flack for not bringing it forward. Like it's possible he's worried that his NHL career was going to end. I can understand that sentiment of Monahan realizing this might be it if I come forward, but Sean Monahan also needs to think about life after hockey and not just the moment. And if he's, if he's not going to be able to walk and be like, just so banged up, that's not a good thing. So I'm going to give Monaghan credit for trying to play through it, trying to be a team player, accepting a new role on the team. But he really, if it was that bad, he really should have said something. So to kind of answer your question, I don't believe a lot of the flack for this injury, this one this year, should lay at the feet of the Calgary Flames. In prior years, maybe. Because in prior years, he was a bigger part of the team and expected to be a 30-goal producer. And maybe he was being put in the lineup when he shouldn't have been. But in this 
particular incident, I don't believe the, the Flames knew about it. So we'll, we'll take the, the Flames and Monaghan part out of it then. Do you think that teams should shut a guy down if they know? Because how many times do we hear about yes. guys playing through injuries, being a warrior? And there's that mentality that if you're not playing through an injury, you're not a team guy. Like how many times we've we seen guys who, who've played through the playoffs on a broken foot, yeah. broken bone in their hand, all this kind of stuff, all in the, the, the sake of winning a game. And how many of these guys have health issues afterwards? Like the team has a responsibility to shut these guys down. And, and I'm I gonna, think that gets, I'm going to throw it back again on the, the league in general. And, and maybe there needs to be the department of player safety needs to be expanded to include watching out for guys who are injured and playing injured because at, at the end of the day, you can't have guys jeopardizing their long-term health for short-term goals. It's not right. The, the it happens don't... in a lot of sports and I don't like yeah. it. I really don't like it. If a guy is injured enough that it is impeding their ability to be a high performance athlete, cause that's, let's face it. That's what they're paid to be is high performance athletes. If, if they're that injured, that it's impeding their ability to do that. They shouldn't be playing. And I'm yeah. going to lay responsibility at three parties, the league, the team, and the player. Yeah. You got to stop with this mentality of I'm a warrior. I'm going to play through it and start thinking of I'm hurt. I better get this fixed. Yeah. How many times, like, how are you really helping your team? If you're at 60% of your ability, like the NHL has tried with the concussion spotters, but again, drop the ball on it because two examples and yet they are from two different Canuck games because that's what I watched the most of Canucks were playing Washington and Vancouver. Uh, Kuznetsov got hit by Myers and went down like he was shot holding his head laid on the ice didn't move Myers got two for checking uh, you know hit to the head essentially he got two minutes for being taller than Kuznetsov it wasn't actually, and I'm going to say it wasn't a vicious hit. Like he got him shoulder, like shoulder into shoulder, but Kuznetsov head, head hit his nameplate on the back of his Jersey. And he went down and laid on the ice. Myers gets two. Well, guess what? After laying on the ice and, and saying, Oh, I've been shot. Kuznetsov's out on the power play and scores 20 seconds after the call. Yet in another game, Canucks were on the road. Matthew Highmore got hit with looked to be a shoulder to the head, no call. He gets up, skates on and at the whistle gets pulled off the ice by the concussion spotter. He didn't get up and wasn't wobbly. He didn't like look like he was out. He got up and got back into the play and was skating fine. You, they, the camera went in on him. He looked fine. He knew what was going on. He's talking to the ref. Like, why am I being pulled? Why am I getting taken off? Gets taken out of the game for 15 minutes. Right idea, horrible consistency. Yeah, the execution on it in general isn't real great. And there's examples of it from all around the league. And again, it, it, there seems to be some questionable circumstances around the caliber of player and how long or if they get spotted. Now, I'm not saying that good players don't get sent back for concussion protocol, but to me, if there's any hit to the head of any kind, well, maybe they should go for, yeah. it should just be a rule 
hey, the guy got hit in the head. He's got to go automatically back. Yeah. Like, don't have it at the discretion of somebody because it breeds inconsistency. It really does. Especially when you get guys who try and sell a penalty in cases where they get a high hit, they lay on the ice, and then they're up and back in the play. Yet a guy who takes a hit, gets up, is not wobbly, can't continue to play. Like, take goalies. Like, how many times do you take a 100-mile slap shot off the mask? They're not getting hauled off the ice every single time. You'd probably need eight dressed goalies in a game for that to happen. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just there's, the league has tried, but, again, they, they just get in their own way with it. Yeah. Ken, we got, I think, one more topic that we want to that we really want to bring up. And it's exciting as a yes, Canadian fan. Have at her again. Yeah. So we didn't really talk about it last week because it hadn't happened yet. We were kind of recording, you know, a few hours before the game happened. But Canada qualified with a 4 nothing win over Jamaica for the World Cup. First time Woo! in 36 years. Canada is off to the World Cup. And they finished off first in CONCACAF which is absolutely huge. They finished ahead of the States. They finished ahead of Mexico. They finished ahead of Costa Rica. A lot of teams that have been to the World Cup before. Canada was the best in CONCACAF. Absolutely huge. We're better than Italy. (laughs) We're in. The Italians are not. Yes. The fact that we're there. What I love about this is we're there. And for the first time in my memory, like, I was five the last time Canada was in the World Cup. So were you. I have no recollection of this. I have no memory of it. it it's great. means nothing to me, though, because I wasn't really cognizant of what was going on. But I will say, we're in this World Cup. We're also in the next one. We don't have to qualify for the World Cup till 2030 because Canada is one of the hosts in the next World Cup. Woo! So we're in again, baby. Maybe we'll go in for back-to-back World Cups. Who knows? We'll see. I love this. The whole nation loves this. The draw happened. And then the negative Nellies came out. Because Canada got drawn with Belgium, Croatia, and Morocco. So three wins. I'm We're good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I could say maybe two. But Canada is now ranked 38th in the world. Last year, we were at 84. A year later, we're at 38. That's awesome. That's a huge jump. Those jumps don't happen unless you're being successful. And we are as a nation. We did some of this qualifying without Alfonso Davies in the lineup because he had COVID and then got the mitocarditis. He's been cleared to play now, so he will be ready uh, come World Cup time, which is great. But what is even better about it is the team won without him. We have some really great players. Kyle Lahren, uh, Tiba Hutchinson at 39 is still playing. I, I don't care. Put him on the roster just so that he can go down. If he's 40 at the time, he's 39. Who cares? The man deserves to be at this World Cup. Keep him on the roster. Kyle Lahren, uh, uh, Tayshawn Buchanan. Jonathan Bornian. David. Yeah, Jonathan David. Milan Bornian. There are so many good players on this team. Canada is 38 in the world. Belgium, that's going to be a tough one. They're number two in the world right now. That's yeah, going to be a <laughs> But Canada has shown it doesn't matter who it is. They can play with them, and they can beat them. Croatia, 16. 
They're a little bit of an older team, though. Some of their top players are going to be pushing 37, 38 come World Cup time. Doesn't mean they forgot how to play soccer, but maybe they don't quite have the legs and the heat for it. So we'll see. And Morocco, 24th in the world. I could definitely see Canada coming out of this two and one. If they come out, if they can draw Belgium or if it keep it close, at least that's a win when you're going up against the number two team in the world, Croatia being a little bit older, Canada being younger outside of Ativa Hutchinson, that could be in their advantage. Morocco, that could be, like, I don't know a lot about Morocco, but the way Canada's playing, I don't think they care who they are playing against. They're a team that just comes together and they, they, fight their asses off for each other. And they do. Great. They, they really play, they play a game, a style where they're really playing for each other and you can really see it. And I, I'm not the biggest soccer follower. I don't know a ton about the actual strategy. That doesn't matter. I watch this team play and I'm like, I understand the strategy that they're playing. They are very, in your face. They are very, I don't want to say rough and tumble, but they're on you. They are on you and they are high pressure. And when they decide, when Canada decides they want to play all the guys forward, they dictate the play. They really, in a lot of the CONCACAF qualifiers, they dictated the play against everybody. And when they chose to want to do that, they were unbeatable. They were like, you couldn't score on them and they scored almost at will like four nothing in the, in the, in the qualifying, the final qualifier was awesome. They also defend really well. That was one thing I know outside of a couple of, you know, the game, I think it was against Mexico where they're up to nothing late. And it was like a tire fire to finish that game outside of that. They were very composed and they kept the ball to the outside and they didn't, they didn't allow the other team to get to, you know, into the, into the penalty area easily. I just, the style of game they play, they play for each other and they were very, very composed and playing as a full unit. It, very impressive. I, I think they're going to, I don't, they may not win any games at the World Cup, but they're not going to be an easy win for anybody because they do play a very aggressive and very structured style of soccer. I, I think what other teams are going to be, maybe surprised that and challenged with Canada doesn't wait for you to make a mistake. They force no, you to make a mistake. They, exactly. They're and, in your and, face. And they were up against Costa Rica with 10 men and they lost that game one, nothing, but man, they could have won that game for one 10, just 10 versus 11. They dictated the play. And for if the it wasn't entire for just second half inches, we're talking on some of these, they could have had two, three goals very easily. And that was huge. You know, they lost two games in qualifying out of all of it. And it came in the final, like the final game they lost. It was kind of, you know, if they won it, they were the top team in CONCACAF. And, and they would, I think they would shoot up to 34, 33 in the world. And it would mean a different, they'd be in a different pot for the draw, whatever. But man, like just this team has been so fun to watch. John Herdman has done a fantastic job. And I'm not going to say on the men's team with Canada soccer. Yes. With Canadian soccer in general, when it comes to what he did earlier with the, the women's national team and that program and what he's brought to the men's program is incredible because you got to think about it for 36 years, this team wasn't in 
contention for a World Cup. It wasn't close. They were essentially sometimes an easy victory for the teams qualifying. It doesn't happen anymore. And I, I think he gets a huge credit for turning this program around and building a successful uh, base program on the women's side, which now they're continuing on without him and doing just as well, if not better. They've won silvers and, and golds at Olympics and so many great things. John Herdman is a fantastic coach uh, when, it, when it comes to this program in Canada. And I am very happy that he is part of it and very excited for what the future brings because he's showing the players with dual citizenships, nationalities, that it's good to play for Canada. It's good to choose Canada. You will do well by putting on the Maple Leaf. Yeah, Absolutely awesome. It's going to be December, and I've already started looking at what the time difference is between here and Qatar, and it's a lot of hours. There might be some very, you know, long nights and tired days i'll be watching these games i I don't care what time they're on i'll be i'll be sitting down and watching them it's incredibly exciting it's it's created soccer fans out of non-soccer fans that is what is the most exciting about it i'm not gonna lie i didn't i don't watch a ton of soccer i made a point of watching almost every single game of the uh since what it started up again was it february yeah, where yeah. In, in 2022, the last six qualifying games, I made a point of essentially watching all of them. And I'd watched some prior to that as well because it is exciting. It is awesome. We've never been in the conversation as a soccer nation. And all of a sudden, it, like Herdman's revolutionized that in Canada in the, in the last, let's say, 10 years. We're not only in the conversation, we have our women's team winning Olympic gold. We have our men's team, the top of CONCACAF and qualifying. We're going to get the World Cup in Canada in four years as well. Like, we're not just on the map. We're, we're, a, we're a soccer nation, and it's exciting. We're not just a hockey nation. It's now a soccer nation as well. Love it. Love it. Yeah, it's been absolutely awesome uh, watching these games and, and having them mean something again. So it's uh, very exciting. I'm very looking forward to December. It's kind of going to be a long haul to, until we get there, but uh, there'll be some friendlies and such in between. So I'm sure we'll get to see. And a lot of times you do play friendlies against other countries that are going to be going to the World Cup. So it'll be interesting to see who we're going to face up in between now and then and, and how those results go because teams are going to want to be able to get ready for that. So it, it's a lot of fun. Really looking forward to it. Me too. Yeah. So let us know. We've covered off. We've got a lot of hockey today. We got, uh, you know, what are, what are your thoughts on the Keith Yandel situation, the Beagle Zegers, Troy Terry situation, the world cup, are you guys just as excited about it for us? Let us know. Trevor's at the BleacherCon one. I'm at the BleacherCon two. Again, we got the voting. It's on right now. As long as it's vote for us. Tuesday. Yeah. Vote for us, please. Uh, belly up media at belly up media on Twitter, belly up media on Instagram. It's in their stories, please. You know, we were really excited. We're very appreciative of this and uh, yeah, it's really exciting. Make sure to check out all those great shows that are on the belly up network. 
Uh, if you got a Roku or other streaming services, you can go check out Belly Up TV on Tiki Live. You can stream other shows on there. You got Burns Radio. We'll be on a little bit of a change with Burns Radio. We're not just on at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern anymore. We're going to be rotating through the day. So check out Tiki Live for the radio side. If you miss us in the morning, you can catch us in the afternoon or the evening. This will be a rotation. We'll be playing all day. And if you want, check us out multiple times. I mean, who wouldn't want to hear us talk sports? Absolutely. Right? All our shows are on all the available platforms, Apple, Spotify, Spreaker, you name it. We're there. We want to thank everyone for tuning in this week. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, everyone.